This podcast is sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank. They understand the lay of the land. Visit mslandbank.com. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Out-recorded Omaha. Here comes the Bulldog baseball team. And here's a ball in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dogpile, a brand new Mississippi State baseball podcast here on the Matt Wyatt Media umbrella of content is umbrella of content a good word for yeah, it? well we're we're, we're, we're using fact, it anyway. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna st- I'm starting a band, and the band name is gonna be Umbrella of Content. It's <laughs> my new band name. What kind of what kind of music will this band play? I'm thinking a, a variety of mix, like you know, like uh, lounge music, the occasional right. you know Sinatra tune every now and then, and then we might. Mix in a little like Eddie Paycheck, you know, take this job and shove it. Just a real eclectic mix of classic tunes. Well, it, well, if you don't have a drummer already, I'd, I'd like to okay. volunteer my services. Okay, and your nickname now is Animal, because that's I really can take that. That's, I, I can roll with that. <laughs> my, my wife would definitely agree with that. Animal, uh, we're gonna get you a symbol where uh, we've you know cut it to make it look like you took a big bite out of it, like Animal from the Muppets, and <laughs> that'll kind of be your. Your calling card. Uh, Again, no. very fitting. Very <laughs> fitting of my personality. Okay, that, that tangent aside, this is actually a Mississippi State baseball podcast. I'm sure we we fooled a few people there, but this is a Mississippi State baseball podcast. He is Matt Wyatt. I am Brett Hudson. We're going to be breaking down this baseball team once a week. Um, most episodes are going to come out on Thursday, so go ahead and subscribe to this and your platform of choosing iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it may be. Um, Get them on Thursdays with the exception of when the team plays a weekend series starting on Thursday. We'll obviously adjust accordingly, but we're, we're starting with a, we're starting with a bang. We're coming out swinging. I'm sorry for the terrible pun (laughs) with two episodes to, to start this, uh, this new enterprise. So this is the season preview episode. We're going to get into Mississippi state position by position. Also take a look at their schedule and the season projections going into this, but we've also got a special episode. I sat down with Spencer price, uh, Mississippi state reliever, potential closer for, for Mississippi state. But we'll get into that later in this episode. Uh, you may remember, him being absent last year because in one of the final preseason practices last year, he, uh, he tore his, uh, his, what is it? The MCL in the elbow. I forget. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all right. He tore, he tore the ligament that requires you to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, so he had Tommy John surgery early last season and spent all of last year and really all of the last calendar year rehabbing from that. And uh, a few times in, uh, in his rehab process, he allowed me an inside behind the scene looks. I, I wrote about it a few times and we kind of concluded that series on this podcast. Um, I did an interview with him. It's about 20 to 25 minutes, something like that. We talked about his rehab process, about 
relearning his pitch arsenal and all those things, and also a little bit of uh, of season preview with with Spencer Price. So there's a special episode of Dogpile in addition to this one dropping at the same time in the same places. So a bonus episode. Make sure you uh, you listen to that one. Spencer's a very insightful individual. I'm I'm glad that I was able to get this behind the scenes look in the first place, but I'm also glad that it was with a person like him who is insightful and intelligent and willing to really give you a window into what he's doing and and what he's thinking and I think uh, the listener will will benefit from that but that's not the business of this episode the business of this episode is to preview this season and preview this team as in depth as possible and and we've got a few sound bites from uh, from the team's media day uh, but earlier in the preseason to, to help us get through this. And I want to go to one of them immediately. Uh, one, one person asked uh, new head coach Chris Lamonis what he thought the key to the, the year is. And, and he looked at all those guys that used to be freshmen, uh, the Rowdy Jordans, the Josh Hatchers, the Tanner Allens, the um, Westberg and Foscue, Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue of the world. And he wants to see them make that next step out of, out of, out of them. And here's what he had to say about that. I tell everybody the key to our team, the key to our success this year will be, does that group of sophomores make a step forward? And I I think they will. They've had great years to this point. They work really hard. Um, But to the Tanner Allens, Justin Foscue, Jordan Westberg, Rowdy Jordan. I mean, some of these kids that, man, had good years and big pieces, but can they continue to play like they did at the end of the year? And was that their evolution, you know, of going through the season? And that's probably why they started a little slow. As you, It's hard to win here with a lot of young kids. I, I'm, I'm no genius, but I know that. And so them, as they got older, they played together, they acclimated better, and you saw it at the end of the year. So so there's a lot of those in, uh, in, in the lineup for – for Mississippi State, and we'll get to them uh, later on. What do you say we do this position by position, Matt? Yeah, sure. Say? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So let's 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 start behind the plate. Uh, since since I just recently wrote about that on the uh, on the website mattwyattmedia.com. Go to the blog. You'll you'll find my section Hudson Report. I wrote about Mississippi State's catching coach Kyle Cheesebro. It's a pretty unique thing that that Mississippi State has that they have a former catcher on staff, a, a guy that actually caught for Chris Lamonis when Lamonis was a assistant at Louisville. Kyle Cheesebro played at Louisville for Coach Lamonis and then coached catchers for him at Indiana, followed him here to Mississippi State. So I wrote all about who Coach Kyle Cheesebro is and what he tries to bring to the catcher position. So make sure you go find that on the mattwyattmedia.com website. And let's talk about catcher. Let's talk about what this position had last year. Uh, it was basically a, a rotation between Marshall Gilbert and Dustin Skelton. Uh, Gilbert was the guy for a significant portion of the season. He got 18 of the 30 SEC starts. He had hits in three of his first four SEC starts. Had a killer series against Texas A&M in late April. He went six for 10, three RBIs, two doubles. And then he went absolutely ice cold. He was hitless in four of his final five SEC starts. He had a grand total of four at-bats in the entire postseason, one start, because Dustin Skelton caught fire. He got most of the work in the non-conference, um, entered, but was cold, entered SEC play with an average of 194, went hitless in nine ABs against Vanderbilt when State got swept, and then he got 
hot. He had big hits in the Florida and the Arkansas series. Both of those were sweeps near the end of the year. He was awesome in the Tallahassee regional. He hit 571, five RBIs, a double and a homer. And they rode him through, through Nashville and Omaha. So Mississippi State at catcher last year, they rode the hot bat, whoever it was. Uh, it was Marshall Gilbert through most of the SEC schedule. It was Dustin Skelton through the postseason. I imagine that's going to be what, what Mississippi State does again this year. Now, they also have new options there at, at catcher. They also have uh, two freshmen, Hayden Jones and Luke Hancock. Tucker Childers is also listed as a uh, as a catcher, but I think he's more of an infield candidate, in in my opinion. Um, but catcher, I, I think they're going to ride the hot bat between Marshall Gilbert and, and Dustin Skelton. But it also needs to be pointed out that that Kyle Cheesebro is is very much a defense guy. He he really drills defense with these guys. He wants these guys to be good at the the intangibles of catching the pitch framing, the mm-hmm. the kind of the the mental gymnastics of of catching. Uh so that's going to play a, a big factor in in evaluating catchers and who gets the opening day starts and who gets the most uh games and and starts. But the that hot bat uh, decision-making process between Marshall Gilbert and and Dustin Skelton. I imagine that'll be what you see this year. But but Coach Lamonis also said he sees the two freshmen Hayden Jones and Luke Hancock playing for Mississippi State at, at some point this year. So catcher's a, a pretty interesting spot for this team, yeah. I think. Well, and as you were talking about that, I, I've I thought this all along and and kind of reading what you wrote in your interview with uh, Kyle about the position. The defensive approach, you know, they didn't. It's not a deal where you know Skelton or or Gilbert did a terrible job last year. I mean, it's a team that went deep in the College World Series. Okay, so that's nobody would say okay any part of what they were doing was terrible, but it is one area blocking up pitches in the dirt where your pitchers that have these good sharp sliders and and breaking stuff can confidently bury it in the strike zone, laid in account with runners on base, trying to get that swing and a miss or weak contact, knowing full well, I can bury this thing, and if I bounce it, my guy's going to block it up. This ain't going to the wall. You know what I mean? And that was a sore spot, I felt like, last year um, at times in in the postseason and I just feel like if that is – even if that were the only marked improvement that you saw come out of the move of having like a full-time catching coach, that could ultimately make the difference in four to five ball games a year. And I mean that. you know. So that's one thing I think. I think those guys behind the plate are really going to blossom and start to show what they can do. That's what I think. I think you make a good point there because uh, in, in that story that that you mentioned, Dustin Skelton admitted that that his defense was was subpar for for a significant portion of of his career at Mississippi State so far, and he really thinks he's made development in in that regard, and and he needs to one because he's going to be evaluated on that since he's got a catching specific coach that can really get into the minutia and, and evaluate people thoroughly. In that regard, but also, as you mentioned, Mississippi State needs it. They they need to be better defensively at, at catcher. And before Dustin Skelton got hot last year, I mean, just let's just look at 
what he was hitting. And well, put it this way, even with his hot postseason, he ended last year with a 238 batting average. Now, if you've got a guy who plays great defense behind the plate, you'll live with 238 on the year out of your catcher spot. But Dustin Skelton was not great defensively at catcher. I think even he would would acknowledge that he more or less has in, in his interview with with me. So mm-hmm. uh, while there there is hope for him to develop into a better hitter, even if he doesn't, uh, being better defensively at catcher would would justify his uh, his spot there, whether it's him, Gilbert, or, or one of the freshmen. All right, uh, what's what next in the positional? Let's break go to now? first base. First base. Let's, Let's go to first it. base. Uh, so that was that was a position uh, dominated by Tanner Allen last year. Hit 287, 444 slugging. He led the team in triples. Was second on the team in doubles and homers. But it, it took him a while to settle into that position because people may remember, they may not, because of how his season ended. Josh Hatcher. Uh, He was, he started all three games at, at, no, I think he started twice at first base in that Southern Miss series to start the year. And he was awesome. He had six hits, a homer and two RBI. He was actually good throughout the rest of the non-con schedule, but then conference play hit and and he struggled mightily. Mm -hmm. He hit 175 against SEC competition in 80 at bats. He was more or less out in the postseason. One start in the Tallahassee regional, one plate appearance in Nashville and nothing in in Omaha. Josh Hatcher really struggled and it kind of forced Tanner Allen into that first base role because Tanner was a DH uh, early in, in the year. He's a good defender. Uh, I think personally, I think he's more of a second base type, but they had Hunter Stovall at second base last year. You're not going to remove that glove from, Mm -hmm. from second base. So you had to fit Tanner Allen somewhere else in the lineup. Uh, It was DH for a while, but then when Josh Hatcher went cold, they were able to force him into first base and it it worked out pretty well. Now without, uh, without Hunter Stovall at second base, I always thought that this would be a good time to move Tanner Allen to second base. If you could get some offense at, at first base and, and depending on who you ask within the program, there are people that, that agree with that notion that Tanner is probably best fitted defensively for second base or maybe even third, hmm. depending on, on who you ask, but they, they need offense. So if, if Tanner Allen is not going to start at first base, it's because you got some serious offense from someone like Josh Hatcher or maybe a newcomer like Tucker Childers. Uh, but I still think the most likely scenario is Tanner Allen starting at first base and and holding that throughout the year, assuming he hits as well as he did or even better than than he did last year. I still think that's the most likely outcome. But Coach Lamonis was pleased with what he saw from from Josh Hatcher early in the spring. So maybe it's more sustainable this time around. Yeah. You know, and I would think, too, that at least early in the year, I don't know, I'm not a coach, but it just seems like you you got so much turnover everywhere else, you know, new new face moving into the shortstop role, which we'll get to, that if you could keep that spot solidified and the same, have some normalcy there at first base with Allen, at least at the beginning of the year, you're probably better off. And like you say, Hatcher uh, in year two, Loads of potential. Knocked cover off the ball last year in the early part of the year yeah. as a freshman. So I'm sure he'll be, uh, you know, he'll be in there some at first. So who is going to be your second baseman? 
Well, that's that's interesting. And and this this part of the the infield double play combo is is something I really want to dive in on. I actually asked uh, Chris Lamonis about it. We'll we'll play a soundbite from him uh, in a few seconds. But this is a this is a part of the field that's it's very interesting because Hunter Stovall is now a professional and Luke Alexander's eligibility is over. So you're losing two excellent gloves at your double play combo that turned double plays like it was nothing. They were, for my money, they were the best double play combo in, in college baseball last year. There were a couple of good ones in, in Omaha last year too, namely North Carolina and Oregon State. But I, I thought this was the best defensive double play combo in college baseball last year. It's a big loss for Mississippi State. They have to they have to replace, and, and here's what Coach Lamontis had to say about it. There's a lot of competition there. It's a really good question. It's probably one of our biggest question marks going in because we did lose uh, probably 100 RBIs in the middle, but also two guys who could really defend it, <clears throat> and that really defended happens at the end of the year. Seems like on those hard fields it makes a difference, but um, Jordan Westberg's been at short all fall, early spring. Um, looks like the leading candidate for our shortstop position has has really played really well. Just emerging as one of those guys has a chance to be a high-level talent. Still a lot of work to do, but I'm excited about him. And then um, we have some competition going on at second base. I mean, Gunnar Halter's a Juco transfer, um, high-level player. And uh, Landon Jordan's a very talented freshman who's in that mix. And we're even flipping Tanner Allen in and out of there some to see if it gives us some some pieces that we can move some guys around. So there's a lot of competition there. Um, but we have a chance that we have a chance to be pretty good there too. So so as you heard, second base is the likely leader there is Gunnar Halter. Uh, he's he's a newcomer. He comes from Seminole State College on honestly in Oklahoma. You should you would think that would be in, in Florida, but it's not. It's in Oklahoma. Um, he flashed he flashed power there. Uh, 20 doubles and 20 home runs in 53 games. He also stole 29 bags. Uh, he was he was an interesting prospect in in the fall because he was kind of battling for the shortstop position. It sounds like he ultimately lost that to Jordan Westberg, who we'll get to momentarily once we get to shortstop. But uh, I think the reason for that was defensively. He talked a lot in the fall that back at Seminole State College, defense was not a big priority. So uh, I kind of wonder if, his defense is a little bit behind Jordan Westberg's right now. Thus why Jordan Westberg is likely to be the starting shortstop and, and Gunnar Halter likely to, to slide in at, at second, but he's obviously got the bat or at least he, uh, he had the bat in, uh, in junior college. And if he's able to, to transition that to, to Mississippi state, you, you wonder if he's able to kind of develop into at least something close to what Hunter Stovall was defensively at second base. But if he brings the bat, I, I think you'll ultimately be pleased with, with what Gunner brings at, at second base. But you never know with these, with these Juco guys and in the SEC. So that's a very interesting position for, for Mississippi state. And it looks like Gunner Halter is going to be the first one to have a crack at it. All right. And, um, you, you touched on it. There's uh, Westberg at shortstop and, or it appears to be, and I interviewed uh, on my radio show Coach Lamonis recently, and I told him, I said, you know, we're not used to seeing a six foot three shortstop out there now. That's been yeah. a while. You know, we might have to go all the way back to like late '90s Brad Freeman out there at shortstop to find like that <laughs> that six two guy. But we're gonna have a big guy uh, potentially out at shortstop. Yeah, and you know, obviously Jordan Westberg's going to be remembered for for being the the purveyor of the rally banana and <laughs> and 
getting Mississippi State to Omaha and then having seven RBIs in that North Carolina game yeah. in Omaha to, to keep Mississippi State alive. But uh, I think people are going to forget that he and Justin Foscue had a pretty good battle going for the third base position last year. They were, they were both very good defensively, but then Jordan Westberg had a hamstring injury that, that pushed him out of defense, let Justin Foscue take over at third base. But when uh, when Westberg came back, he was a DH and he was excellent mm-hmm. as as a hitter. They're obviously a big reason Mississippi State made that run to Omaha. But now that that hamstring is healed, I think you're going to see that he's very good defensively too. He was a very good defensive third base, but I think he's more of a natural shortstop. So I think he'll he'll transition to to that position pretty well. But I think people are forgetting how good defensively Jordan Westberg was before. That that hamstring injury forced him to to the designated hitter role. So, uh, Luke Alexander was also a very good defensive shortstop. But I wonder how much of a drop off, if any, Mississippi State is is going to have in in that regard. If Westberg is as good of a defender as he was before the hamstring injury last year, we do more than make a living off the land in North Mississippi. We live for the land too. We live for an early morning duck hunt, time spent in a deer stand, a day of fishing and the outdoor life. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers. By helping to finance the land they set their sights on, we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. I'm speeding it up a little bit here for you. Um, Foscue at third base? Is that, yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah, it, it seems it seems the most likely outcome given given what he did last year as a freshman. Hit two forty one, um, twenty RBIs last year, twelve doubles. He he had moments of being a, a really good bat uh, last year, and he he was pretty good in in the hot corner too. So this is actually where you kind of get to the chalky part of uh, of Mississippi State's lineup with uh, with shortstop, third base, and and the outfield because you've got some many returners that are pretty lockstep in, in their positions. So yeah, I'll help you speed it up. Justin Foscue likely to be the starting third baseman. They do have newcomer options. If someone like Foscue or Halter uh, slumps, they can slide a, a newcomer in there, but that's, that's likely to be what Mississippi state starts off with. And then the outfield, you're going to be pretty familiar with, with those guys. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, left. let me guess, Rowdy Jordan, Jake Mangum, and Elijah McNamee. Did I? Am I anywhere close? Am I ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Matt Wyatt wins a thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, Rowdy Jordan in left. Jake Mangum in center. Right fielder Elijah McNamee. Uh, do we really need to say anything about Jake Mangum at this point? We we know who who Jake Mangum is. He is the god of Mississippi State baseball. <laughs> He's the mayor of Starkville. All of these things have been well established and proven. Uh, Rowdy Jordan had a very impressive freshman year last year, hit 321, uh, 37 RBIs, 15 doubles, seven home runs, uh, a good bit of power from him, 518 slugging percentage in his freshman year. And then Elijah McNamee hit 309, uh, eight homers, but it seems like all of those homers were clutch. He had that walk off in Tallahassee, had another walk off in Nashville. Uh, he was, he was excellent in the power regard last year. Also had 11 doubles. Uh, and he's an underrated defender. Uh, yeah, he, he is prone to the occasional defensive laps and, and people will, will criticize his defense for that. But I, I see him getting better in that regard. I think he's had less and less 
of those or fewer or fewer and fewer of those as his as his career has gone on. I think he's actually going to be a, a pretty good defensive right fielder this year. And Mississippi State needs it because of that weird wall they have in in right field where mm-hmm. that kind of plaza is round right there around the uh, the foul lines, a very tight uh, foul uh, territory, too. So it's a kind of a finicky right field area. So in the new Duty Noble field, uh, Mississippi State will need a good defensive right fielder, and I think Elijah McNamee fits that bill. All right. Um, you know, and I, I I couldn't help, as you're saying, um, you know, we know what Jake Mangum is. I, my prediction for Jake is he's going to do one of three things or a combination after college. He will either be a major league all-star or he will be the president of the United States or <laughs> or he's going to be a movie star and he'll star in the remake of uh, Top Gun, you know, like the next one of those. That's going to or a combination of that's kind of the stuff that I think that, that kid is destined for and I'm sure he would choose the baseball if he could. He's got the jawline for the movies, that's for sure. <laughs> He's got that um, going but, for. But yeah, I think uh, I think baseball is going to work out for yeah. for him long term. And you know, he's he's an interesting college baseball prospect because he's been drafted so what twice now? Yeah, twice mm-hmm. in his Mississippi State career. Chose to come back uh, both times, and, and he he spoke about that. And I found I found what he said pretty interesting and pretty inspiring. So I want to I want to play it for y'all here. Here's what what Jake said about his decision to come back to Mississippi State one more time. I was committed to Alabama for a year, decommitted, uh, committed here. Why? Because this is the pinnacle of college baseball. This is like it's Mississippi State. Like we wear we wear this with the most amount of pride you can possibly wear. And every day we come to the field, no matter what's going on around us, we're able to lock in and be in the present. And uh, it's it's been the most fun I've ever had. I'm not ready for it to be over with, so we, we plan on playing as long as we can this year. But the one constant we've had is, is that brotherhood in the locker room. Uh, every year it's different guys. So this year it's a brand new team. Every year it's been a different onslaught of guys. But... Every year you just see this brotherhood come together all because we take so much pride in wearing that. And it's, it's our shield. It's, it's, it's unique to anything else, you know. At the end of the day, we're going to go out there and we're going to do everything we can to win. It might not happen. We might get beat 20 to 10, but we're going to bounce back the next day and win, you know. It's kind of the mindset we've had and it's kind of embedded in us. It's what we go through since August. You know, it's, it's been fun. You know, it, Four coaches in four years gets tossed around a lot, but like I said, you know, you you play for, you play for what the program represents, and the, the tradition here. You you never go out there at any day at practice or a game. Look, there might be some days where I don't want to be out there, feeling feeling bad, whether you know it's a long day at school, long terrible test, you name it. The, the tradition here and, and the, what it means to play here is what kind of gets you through that. You know, I, I fake it till you make it, you know, some days. You know, you, you think about these guys, that the 85 team, the 16 team, the 13 team. You know, it, it, there's just so many moments that you think back on whenever you're not having that good day. But that's what you play for. I mean, if I talk to Burke Masters right now, what, what would he say? He would love to be out there today. He would love to be out there in a 20-degree game in the snow. He would love to go back out there and wear this one more time. 
So that's kind of what you think about. You think about the tradition here, the guys that would give anything to come back out here one more day, and, that, and that's what I think about. This is my last year, and I'm on, you know, the guys that are that might not play at the next level think about that. Like this is this is all we got right now. So you you just think back about what we've had here, and all the guys that would give anything to go back out there and play one more game, relive one more moment, you know, and, and that's what you think about. Hard not to get fired up if you're if you're a Mississippi State fan about what uh, about what Jake had to say there. So that's uh, I, I think that more or less puts a bow on mm-hmm. on the position players, and that just leaves designated hitter, which is going to be a fascinating race because there are so many options there. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Josh Hatcher earlier. If mm-hmm. if he doesn't become the the first baseman, if Tanner Allen stays there, he's a good designated hitter candidate. Uh, JT Ginn would also be a good designated hitter candidate. We'll get to him later in the uh, in the pitching regard. There's a lot of newcomers that have, that have impressed as well. Um, uh, Gunnar Halter could be a, a designated hitter if the defense doesn't work out, but in the, in the newcomer regard, uh, Landon Jordan is, is one who I've heard good things about from, from the program. He's a guy that, that could make a excuse me, an, an impact immediately. Uh, Landon Jordan is the freshman infielder from Poplarville, Mississippi. Uh, another in-state product, Brad Cumbest. People know him from being a tight end on the football team. He also got a spot on the baseball team pretty late in his recruiting process. I've heard that he's a raw prospect, but he has done well in the preseason, so he could be a, a designated hitter candidate. Um, there, there's a lot of newcomers on, on this team that have impressed with, with their bats. Landon Jordan is, is another, no, I mentioned Landon Jordan. Hayden Jones is, is one mm-hmm. as well. He's, he's one of the, the catcher candidates. He's got a great arm from, from what I heard, but you wonder if he can develop the bat to, to be a potential designated hitter candidate. So the, the DH, unless something goes awry defensively, with with a guy that that we've already talked about in the positions, it's likely to go to to a newcomer, and I, I anticipate that being a, a pretty heated battle for mm-hmm. for Mississippi State, the the DH spot. But the good news is they've got they've got no shortage of options. It's just a matter of of which one brings their bat on on any given day. So excellent stuff, in depth preview all the positions. So then, if you look on the mound. Well, just kind of overall thought on that. One thing I see is I only really recognize maybe, excuse me, maybe like one or two names that are left-handed guys. Of course, I mean, you know, Ethan Small, obviously. But uh, Kale Bro, who, you know, has been through the whole injury thing and back. I But there's a lot of left-handed pitcher names that I don't necessarily recognize that are newcomers. Right, but the righties as a bunch of guys who've thrown a lot of meaningful innings and big spots in their career uh, for this baseball team. Um, not to mention, you know, um, the aforementioned Spencer Price coming back, but Riley Self and Cole Gordon, Peyton Plumley, a starter candidate, Keegan James, and of course a newcomer JT Ginn. So I recognize a lot of the righties, but it's a small group of left-handed pitchers. Yeah, the the lefties is is an interesting uh, conversation to have, and I guess we'll we'll start with the bullpen because of that. Uh, the, okay. the lefties, the lefties are it, it, that's what Coach Lamonis wants to wants to find uh, mm-hmm. going into 
going into the year. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ethan Small. He's a lefty, but he's going to be the Friday night starter. Uh, Kale Bro is the only returning lefty on this team. Every other lefty on on this team. Jack Egan, a transfer out of uh, out of Wisconsin. No, Tristan Barlow. Yeah, is back. So he's also returning. But looking at other lefties on on this roster, Bryce Brock, the the freshman, and then Christian McLeod, another freshman out of Huntsville, Alabama, another Northern North Alabama boy, and uh, and Starkville. Matt, I'm sure you're you're thrilled with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I like it. But yeah, lefty. That that's what this bullpen needs. Uh, it needs a strong lefty. Uh, and Tristan Barlow was hurt last year, and and Kale Bro has yet to to perform up to uh, what what Mississippi State would would hope. Of course, he's he's a junior this year, so so now's the time, right? But yeah. but that lefty yeah. piece is is what this this bullpen needs. And and kind of looking at the bullpen more in depth. Um, Coach Lamonis is, is a guy who seems to like to have set roles for, for his bullpen guys. He likes to have a set closer. He likes to have a set, uh, set up guy. He likes to have guys in, in very specific roles. So they know how they're going to be used. And those are things that, that are going to develop over the first couple weeks of of the year. Uh, Spencer Price is obviously a, a closer candidate. So is Riley Self entering his his junior year. But but Coach Lamona has said something interesting about Riley Self coming into the year. And that was he's he's one of very few guys that that coach trust in a dirty inning. As in there's guys on first and second with one out. You got to go to the bullpen. He's Riley Self is one of very few guys that that Coach Lamonis entered the preseason trusting in a role like that. So while Riley Self has the stuff to be an excellent closer and has the stuff to be an excellent setup man, I wonder if he's going to be in that kind of fireman role that you see populating so much in in the majors, where you use your best reliever in the most high leverage situation. I, if coach Lamonis is open to that kind of thing, I wonder if Riley self fits that role best as opposed to a traditional closer or a traditional setup, man, just because you could argue he's the best reliever in in the bullpen right now, at least the most proven since we haven't seen Spencer price yeah. pitch in, in a year and a half. Uh, you wonder if coach Lamonis is open to that role and if Riley self best fits it because he's, he's just got the stuff to fit it. Yeah. Just that natural breaking stuff. He's a really interesting story how, you know, I remember as a freshman, Riley is out there just throwing this breaking stuff that's just falling off the table. Nobody can get a hand on it. I mean, a bat on it. And he never really throws a straight pitch. And so we keep calling it a, you know, a, a basically, you know, like a slider is what he we called kept. it a cutter and he calls it a cutter. And, but we talked at the time to some of the people on the team, and and including I remember Bart Gregory had a conversation with uh, Josh Lovelady, who was the catcher at the time, and yeah. Josh said, "Hey, look, he he's not like really throwing a slider. That's just the way he throws the ball. <laughs> it's just like he just naturally throws the ball with a grip and an arm motion that it just spins and drops, and it, he just doesn't throw it straight." And um, and we were like, really? So it's just interesting how his career has been. He's just got this ability to step out there, get swings and misses and weak ground balls, throwing one up there that everybody knows is cutting and going to yep. fall in that last third of the travel to the plate. And they still they can't touch it. And they still get strike calls, you know. 
So when you have that proven, you're right, Brett. I think it's a great observation that he may, if you have the confidence in a guy like that, then you got to put him out there when you need confidence in a guy. And that may be him. Yeah. Uh, to, to further look at the, the bullpen, um, there, there are a lot of pieces of this that, that are going to be decided by whoever becomes the, the Saturday and Sunday starter. And we'll, we'll get to that pretty quickly, but some, some other arms that are likely to be bullpen and bullpen only, um, the right, uh, right-handed arms, since we went over the left-handed arms earlier, the right-handed arms, uh, transfer Tyler spring, um, more right-handed arms in the bullpen, uh, transfer Colby white. Although I hear good things about him, maybe a starter candidate. Mm. We'll see. Uh, and then other right-handed pitchers, a sophomore transfer, J.P. Elkins. And then you get to the freshmen where you have uh, Brandon Smith, Eric Sarantola as righties, and then J.T. Gann, a, a righty too. But that that takes us to the starting pitching rotation. Uh, early in the preseason, Coach Lamona said, Ethan Small, TBA, TBA. <laughs> he said he has a good idea of what it's going to be, but he wants to see it play out a little bit more in the preseason. And uh, Matt, I, I continue, I continue to hear awesome things about JT Gann from, from everybody I talk to, to the point that I wonder if he's just going to straight up take this Saturday starting spot. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not ridiculous at, at this point. That's not totally out of the question. Maybe he starts off at Sunday and moves up to Saturday at some point during the year. But I, I, I seriously wonder if JT Ginn is about to pitch himself into the starting rotation as a true freshman. Yeah. You know, and that would be something else, wouldn't it? I mean, it just speaks to his talent, but yep. I, I have to say also that as, as talented as he is, still there'd be a lot of fans who are like a little nervous <laughs> because yeah. you know you start you start thinking about you get into the that second and third and fourth SEC weekend when they got a book on you and you're the new guy you're a freshman who was in high school last year and you're going to have some grown men going to the plate against you it, you know there'll be some nervousness cuz you just don't see it too much but at the same time if you've got a first round draft pick on your team and you're mm -hmm. a fan you want to see him play you know so it's going to be fun to see see how he how he does this year. Oh yeah, he's he's going to be a very interesting prospect both on the mound and at the plate. Mentioned his name earlier in the uh, in the designated hitter conversation. He could also play a position if if something goes wrong there. I, I want to say I saw him in left field in the fall. Um, I think that's where I saw him. I didn't see much in the fall, but when I did see the fall, he was, he was in left field. So there are options for, for him. And in that regard, uh, other starting pitching candidates, the, the three that immediately come to mind, um, two seniors and a junior Cole Gordon and Peyton Plumley being the seniors, both righties. And then another righty Keegan James. Uh, those are, those are three that are, if, if in fact JT Gann does kind of take a grip of a starting pitching role uh, mm. before the, the season begins uh, this coming Friday. Uh, Cole Gordon, Peyton Plumley, and Keegan James are the three most likely to grab that final starting role. And then whoever doesn't, those those two would automatically become pretty important bullpen pieces, especially in, in longer relief. Like if they have to pull a starter after four or, or four and a third, 
someone like a Peyton Plumlee or a Keegan James or a Cole Gordon would be a, a pretty attractive candidate to get Mississippi State two, two and two thirds innings out of the the bullpen and hand it over to people like uh, like Riley Self and and Spencer Price. So that's that's kind of what what I think of of the starting rotation and there's a there's options there you know the the starting rotation the back end of the starting rotation has been pretty interesting for for mississippi state the the last two years you never really know what what you're going to get back there i think you have a better idea of that this year i think the the starting rotation is a piece that that mississippi state probably feels better about now than it has at this point in the last two years i think that's fair to say yeah i think it is fair to say and just experience, and you know, it's like anything about two years ago that the the pitching situation that Canizero had. Oh my! I mean, where you've gone from really? I mean, you know, two what would be three seasons ago, but you go back to that, uh, you know, uh, spring of 2017, what they were going through, to what it looks like now. Um, you know, and this is going to be going through it without a Denver McQuarrie now on the team yep. who was going to factor in some more experience. But you, you know, it's just a whole different deal. You start, you got a guy like Cole Gordon who, man, he could be working on his doctorate by now. He's been there so long, you know. <laughs> Plumley is a senior and Self's a junior. And, um, you know, of course, Price coming back as a junior. Um, and then you mix in the talented arms, Keegan James, a junior. Um, so I, I don't know. And then, you know, the lefties, I was just talking about righties there. Yeah, I just think experience and everything else, if everybody's healthy uh, healthy throughout the year, it this could be a really, really good good team on the mound all the way through. I, I completely agree. Do you have uh do you have anything else to add on the uh on the roster itself before we dive into this schedule and get out of here? I don't. I want to hear all about this schedule. Let me have it. So, so one thing I want to compliment Mississippi State on this year is their midweek games are very interesting. Um, we'll we'll get to the weekends in in a moment, but I want to applaud them for their their midweek games. They're giving people a reason to come out to the ballpark on a Tuesday and and Wednesday night, February twentieth, a Wednesday UAB, February twenty seventh, a Wednesday Southeastern Louisiana, fantastic baseball program. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, March fifth, East Carolina. Very interesting uh, that those two are meeting now, given the the rumors between ECU coach Clint Godwin and, and Mississippi State back in the, the coaching search days. March 19th, a Tuesday, Little Rock. Um, later on in the SEC schedule, April 10th, a Wednesday, South Alabama. Uh, then, of course, the, the Governor's Cup game against Ole Miss and Pearl. And then May 8th, a Wednesday, Memphis comes to to Starkville. So a pretty good home midweek slate for, mm-hmm. for Mississippi State. That's that's good to see. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you being on the SEC Network Plus broadcast, I'm sure you're you're thrilled to have some some decent midweek games coming to, to Starkville oh, yeah. this year. Oh yeah, no doubt about <laughs> it. No doubt. Because you know, um the midweeks can can be a drag sometimes because a lot of times you didn't you don't have the attendance and it can be bad weather you know in the early part of the year. So like yeah. with, with Ron Polk over there in one of the dugouts and you know it's going to be interesting when UAB comes and some of the others and I'm excited too about the Southern Miss series uh, in week two and I I just was looking at this deal here the um, they've got this trip in the early non-con this uh, Frisco Classic. 
Yeah, it's it's their only non-conference games away from Duty Noble Field. Okay, and they're in Frisco, Texas, at the home of the Frisco Rough Riders, Dr. Pepper Ballpark, and they're going to play Sam Houston State, Texas Tech, and Nebraska over three days. Yeah, but much like that uh, that event they went to and played in the Astros Park last year, uh, yeah. they get a they get a bunch of good college baseball programs into a, a professional ballpark for for a weekend. Let them let them go to town yeah, uh, against right. each other, and and the Frisco Classic is is doing just that. That's March first, second, and third. Sam Houston State, Texas Tech, and Nebraska, respectively. Uh, that is the weekend after the Southern Miss series. That is February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. That's the second weekend of, of the season. They have a three-game series with Youngstown State to, to start things off. Uh, and that midweek game against Southeastern Louisiana and the midweek game against UAB is, is in there. So while Youngstown State might not offer much for Mississippi State, we're going to learn a lot about them in the final weeks of February and the first week of, of March with that midweek set with UAB in southeastern Louisiana, the weekend series with Southern Miss, the weekends uh, at Frisco, Texas, and then right after that, the midweek game with uh, East Carolina. So it's yeah. it's pretty entertaining, high-stakes baseball in the first four weeks of, of Mississippi State season. That's fun to see. It really is fun to see. It's fun that the season is finally here. And uh, first pitch on Friday, 4 p.m. scheduled. Uh, against Youngstown State. Uh, if you watch the games, the Friday game, it'll be Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. Charlie gets duty for the season opener. So I'll get to watch, and then I'll be up there in the booth with Bart on SEC Plus for the Saturday and Sunday games here in the opening weekend. And um, then Charlie will be back for the UAB game in the midweek along with Bart. But you get a steady dose of Bart. And, of course, you can listen all over the place and online as well. The school has its own tune-in channel if you want to listen to uh, Jim Ellis call the games, yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people do. Brett, this has been uh -huh. an excellent, excellent breakdown and preview for Episode 1 of Dogpile. And let me say before we go, add a boy on the name, Dogpile. It's a great podcast name. You took your time, but it, it's, a, it's a home run. That is another yeah, pun. I, uh, pun. I had to work a full count there. But but I, I got it out of the park, and I'm I'm pleased with that. And to work a full count, that's excellent. All right, good stuff. Send us on out. Appreciate y'all listening, and we'll uh we'll be back on Thursdays for for the uh for the foreseeable future. They don't play a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for for a while, so we'll be doing this on Thursdays, and we'll be back after the uh, the Youngstown State series and the uh, the midweek game with with UAB going into a. a first proving ground moment for for Mississippi State that uh, that weekend series with with Southern Miss so for Matt Wyatt I am Brett Hudson thanks for listening to Dogpile we'll we'll be back a week from now